sometimes struggle to get up in the morning or wind down for bed at night. I used to find it so difficult. I woke up with no sense of positivity and brightness. I was void of motivation and spirit. This changed completely when I started waking up with a Lumi body clock. These incredible devices mimic the light and colour of a real sunrise and sunset, transforming the experience of waking up and going to sleep completely. Rather than being suddenly woken up with an alarm clock, the Lumi body clock will wake you up gradually with a natural sunrise. The Lumi body clock has been shown to improve the quality of sleep and awakening and to boost mood and productivity in clinical trials. You can personalise your sunrise and sunset from 15 to 90 minutes with their clinically tested unique natural light and more than 20 sleep and wake sounds. We all deserve to sleep well and to wake up feeling fresh. So if you're finding this a challenge and you want to try a new approach, go to lumi.com. Yeah. By the way, I thought I had epic hair till today. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My man's got the, the sick hair now. So, are we all good? Yeah, should be good. Well, Trev, welcome back to the Greatest Music of All Time podcast. Thank you so much, brother. Good to be back. I'm very excited to talk to you because you've got a single coming out yes. called You Wish. And, I mean, musically, it's quite something. Lyrically, it's pretty crazy. So, I want to hear it from you directly. What is this song about and how did it, this whole project come about, which we'll get into? So... Yeah, I mean, it all started, I had a, I had a band that we, we've talked before, um, a band called Lavara. we were signed, we had, we mastered our record, and then the pandemic happened, and we were supposed to go on tour that summer with Foreigner, we were going to do Grass Pop, we were going to do um, Hellfest, a lot of cool stuff, and obviously, what happened to the world happened to the world, and then through that time, you know, pushing back the, the album a year. We had to promote it, we had to do stuff on our own, but, you know, too much time apart, a little bit of, you know, I don't know, the tension within the band, I think was always there a little bit, but like, it really, I feel like, surfaced through the pandemic, and about, I don't know, six weeks before the album was gonna come out in 2021, um, my bandmates decided to, uh, to email me and kick me out of the band and stuff. And, uh, you know, looking back at it now, it was the best thing that was supposed to happen. But it, it definitely was a heartbreaker at the time. And, you know, the label, they put a lot of money into us and it wasn't really discussed. It was just wasn't done properly. And I think that if we would have just sat down and actually had some, like, communication, uh, things would have been different. But anyway, what happened happened. It is what it is. Um, and that emotion, that angst that I felt was very present mm. and, you know, they were to continue the band without me and it was just tough just because like, you know, it was something that meant a lot because, you know, the forming of the band was all really choosing people I really wanted to play with and the singer, he was kind of an up and comer. He didn't have a lot of experience, but an amazing vocalist and I thought you know when we started writing jamming together and touring together it just it was a you know it was a solid team so because you went on tour with Toto, Toto. And, yeah and we opened up for the winery so dogs. obviously you know what you so obviously in terms of the whole you know Toto hookup you've stuck your neck out there really haven't you yeah I mean it was 
bit bit ridiculous <laughs> for them to kind of go, oh, you, you're no longer in the band when the band's kind of like got a footing because you're, and that's quite a personal hookup. You can't just yeah. ask, you know, yeah, for the Toto hookup for anyone or any musical project. You must believe in the project a lot. Of course, and you know, but I'm I'm not going to be like <laughs> saying all that stuff. You know, of course, at the time, I felt that, and I was very like, you know. Because it, it was it was my baby that band you know uh, you know I was living with the drummer at the time we, we we were roommates and we were buds man and I really we we always wanted to jam together so we're like let's just get in the studio and jam and then Sam Bercaro who's Mike Bercaro's son came in and because we went on a quick tour with this uh, artist named Diamante and it was the first time Sam and I ever played together and we grew up together man and we loved each other and it was like all right well this is a perfect fit. And then we just wanted someone to like, just have this like high range vocal. So I hit up actually in the beginning was Brooklyn Allman, Greg Allman's daughter, who's like a wow. badass. And she was supposed to do it. And the day of the session, she bailed. And I was just like going through Instagram, and I came across this this singer named Jules, and he was killing man. He like went up and hit these like high notes, and it was very Axl Rose, Miles Kennedy, and it was like perfect man. So I hit him up, and so that's so it was one of those things where it was formed. So it was like a baby. It was like my baby, man, you know? And then, you know, bringing everyone to the table, like we got obviously the tours and, and uh, management. And I mean, I, I really did like hit up all my contacts to, to make this work because I really believed in it. We all did. And then it led to a record deal after the Toto tour, you know? And, uh, wow. Yeah. And we made a killer record, man. Yeah, it was uh, really good. And I remember speaking to you because we were speaking on the podcast. Yeah about that record yeah about all the things like steve perry being involved yeah. with it uh, and it really you were talking very passionately about it but at that stage i can't remember when exactly the month was did you know that it was all coming to an end at that stage i don't think when we talked i did i i did i had to do like i think two interviews afterwards uh, it was six weeks before the record came out and like i had to like i mean i was never an actor i'm not an actor man but boy did i have to put on the skills for this <laughs> those two interviews because all I wanted to do was just like you know tell but I didn't want to also I didn't want to sabotage it because once again the record label Ed the owner of Mascot Records like family friend too and like a lot of respect I mean he put a lot of money into it so I didn't want to do anything to sabotage it but after the two interviews I said I can't do I can't do any more interviews because like mm. I said, give it to the guys. The, the guys are in the band now, you know? It's like, mm. they wanted, like, people wanted to talk to me. It was messed up because I felt, I don't know, I felt bad because I think people were requesting to talk to me, but I, I wouldn't, they, the label would have to make an excuse for me saying, like, I was on vacation or something. I was like, I'm on vacation? Six weeks before the record comes out? I'm going to be, like, on vacation? Sorry, I can't talk to anybody. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm bask, my, my redness is basking in the sun, you know? <laughs> it, it just was not... I didn't like that that was the excuse, but um, yeah. but they went off and finished the interviews, and I think that we talked right before it happened. I think the passion was obviously still there. I was very surprised to see it all going down Am I talking too close to the mic, too? I'm like, yeah. you know, making out with it, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I think I've got it too far away, but I think <laughs> it's, always good. it's always good here. So, at that time, you were speaking about it so enthusiastically, I was so shocked with everything. But on You Wish, like, you are singing... Uh, pretty passionately yeah. and uh, yeah. and pretty angry yeah. about this situation. But then when I'm talking to you now, it seems like you're quite at peace with the situation. So when did you actually write this song? Literally 
the week after I got booted, you know. So if you were writing it now, like, I mean, obviously you, that was your therapy that helped you get yes, over it, it right? Yes, it was. And, and you know, it, it was, it was, I call it the self-loved angst, the self-love angst anthem, because it's not like, it just, it was my way of, like, I couldn't really understand at the time how they could do that, you know? Like, how are you even thinking this is gonna happen? Like, just with everyone involved, it was just a really on the on the spot decision without talking to the label or talking to management or talking to anybody. It was a really bad call because then the band got dropped immediately and all these things happened and then never the record obviously wasn't going to promote it anymore. And um, so, like, I just kind of felt like, why did they do that? Oh, okay. Well, I think there was there was issues in the band of you know me being I guess the band leader. You know, talking to the manager, talking to the label, I had the relationships, and I was, you know, making, kind of like making decisions and that were best for, you know, I mean, everyone was happy. It wasn't like I made bad decisions and then I was kind of getting pushed out. Everything was going great. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it, I guess, too much time to think and and egos boiling. What happened, happened. But, um, so, like, I took that angst and, and that anger Especially when I was like seeing interviews with them and like they were and like they were doing stuff like posting like smiling like like everything so you know no. so great without me you know um, and so I was just like okay well I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm gonna record my own record now and uh, this incredible vocal coach who uh, actually I'm getting married in uh, in a couple Many weeks congratulations and he's marrying us this vocal coach Dave Stroud all right. <laughs> Dave is like the vocal coach of the stars, man. He's like he, like, he has done everybody, and he is just the most beautiful person, man. Like, just so deep. You talk to him, man, it's like you just you soak up as much as you possibly can. And he called me when he saw what happened with the band, and he says, listen, I did a vocal lesson with him when I was like, you know, probably 10 years ago. And yeah. he says, I remember our lessons. You don't need anybody. This isn't 1985 where you have to have this crazy high tenor singer and and... He's like, it's a new world. And he's like, I think you need to do this on your own. And you have a lot to say, and it's time to say it. So that really got me to then bring that emotion, because he helped me get that emotion out, to, yeah. to bring it to this tune, you know? So, yeah, because yeah. your voice sounds you like, you know, like you're singing with great technique, you know, because there's a lot of kind of distortion. and oh, yeah. You know, like, so what did, did your voice change much under his guidance? Yes. Like, what, what changed the most? Definitely, man. I think that experience, too, because even though I wasn't the lead singer of the old band, I was singing a lot, a lot of backgrounds, and we were touring a lot, so I was getting that, I was getting those chops up, just naturally getting those chops up, but then when I actually got Dave uh, to, to take me on, man, and saw him weekly, he really brought me out of my shell and, and really brought me into that place where it's like, all right, you're the lead singer now. Yeah. You know, and working on it every day, doing warm-ups every day, getting me to better places, better places, to singing certain vowels and things differently, um, and just, you know, letting go. Because, you know, he says, because really singing is like 90% mental, like 10% skill. You need the skill to be able to sing, but like 90% mental. And... You can be your own worst enemy. So getting to that place where you mentally know I can be that person or I am that person 
that takes a lot, but it takes some training and it takes someone like Dave to to bring you there, which you did. So, so it's ninety percent just like what what's going on inside your yeah. head. I think a lot of people think I can't do it or I can't hit that note or you know you get your your voice cracks like you're fifteen, you know. Again, yeah, it's yeah. Like, there's a lot that goes on with it. So he just kind of brought me into that place, man. And and after that song, you wish and that then. You know, and then I, of course I brought in like the people. Finally, like when you're when you're coming out of like a really bad relationship, you know, it's like getting, it's like an abusive relationship. You then you kind of believe sometimes that like okay, like these guys like really dislike me, you know. And I even like had to go to my fiance and be like, "Am I an asshole?" Like, <laughs> like I had to like ask these questions of like, "Am I am I really in the wrong here? Am I am I pushing?" things a little too far and 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 not just her but my friends that were around my cousin jake who did all the the the, the music videos and the artwork and he did the same for my for my record yeah you know them being a part of in around were like no 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 like so then when i started working with people that i wanted to work with that 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 i love and they love me and it's that mutual love and respect and i started producing you know i produced dorothy three songs in the last dorothy album and and i produced my buddy andrew hagar and like just uh, things that I were doing at the time that I stepped into this producer role. So then I was able to do that with myself. But then I called these incredible friends of mine that are so talented, Steve Majora, who's now in Toto. He's background vocals. He does all the crazy choir-esque background vocals. Uh, my buddy Jake Hayden, who's Dorothy's drummer. Him and I go back, you know, 17 years of playing together. He's one of the best drummers. Um, so he, I got him. Uh, my buddy Christian Attard, who plays in Sugar Ray right now, but he's played in Heart. He's played with everybody. Wow, yeah. Um, and I got, uh, and it's funny because I, I had like little synth horns, and then my buddy Steve Majora, he's like, you got to call these guys 504 Horns in New Orleans, get the real horn section on it. I've yeah, never had a real horn it. section on it before, like on any record before. So it was awesome to call them. They killed it. So I started hearing everything back, and then I'm like, this is fucking, because I started bringing in the influences that I want. Like Peter Gabriel So is one of my all time favorite records. So Gabriel as an artist is like my, it's like you can't, to me, just all time, right? So I want to channel some Gabriel shit. Like, let's do some, you know, like Big Time on the So Record or Sledgehammer and these songs that have like this groove and funk and horns. Yeah, but still yeah. hooky, you know? But it, this was obviously a little more angsty. So Yeah, it was you know. different from that. It wasn't just kind of like the pop side of things in terms of the lyrics. Like, it was... Yeah, there was a lot of anger coming across in the lyrics, but then yeah. it was super funky as well. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I, I, I really enjoyed that. Dude, thank you but so much. But there was much. a lot of venom in the singing. There is, yeah. Um, so when did you record that vocal? Literally, like I said. The I think week. It, I think it was like a week after. But, and all of these people started coming together, like you've got horns and all well, of these they, I had a huge support system. Like yeah. when, I, when I was talking to my friends at the time, they, they just were, they couldn't believe what was going on. So they're like, dude... You need to do your own thing, like, whatever you need, like, call me. And I had just such an overwhelming amount of support, not only for my friends, but then obviously when I made the, the you know, when I told, when I made the announcement after the record came out, because I wanted the record to do the best it could, this, the overwhelming support was, like, it was incredible. A little vicious, though, I'm not going to lie, like, they were pretty vicious to, like, the other guys. I didn't want that. Of course, in the beginning, I was like, yeah, but then I was like, no, I don't like online bullying. Yeah, it bullying seems like you just like channeled that. it into the into the music, uh, but then you recorded this. When did you decide, right, I'm going to 
go serious on this and make like a, a solo album and and kind of start promoting things like that way I think I just had so much to say at the time that I didn't really want to waste any time I, I wanted to go right to it and do it and you know so I, you made the decision to become like a solo yeah. artist almost immediately well it's because I I actually like I worked with Tommy Hendrickson back in like 2000 like er, like late 2008 9 um, solo record he had an imprint on Geffen like I always was a singer in the band um, and when I found, you know, when I discovered and, and I met Jules a couple times, like, when I heard him, I'm like, man, the level of, like, his high vocals and stuff like that, it's like, I wanted to dig that, because I love those classic records, like the, you know, the, the 80s bands with, that can hit the really high notes and stuff, and, you know, also part of me was kind of like, hey, it'd be cool just to, like, be, like, the guitar, lead guitar guy, and, like, you know, run around and be crazy and not have to worry about singing. Um, but there's a price to that. You know, like mm. there's a lot. I'm I'm such a songwriter and, and and an artist that I have so much to say that it can hold you back. So I just had a lot to say when the whole thing uh, happened. So it just poured out. It just poured out, and the motion was there. My luckily, a uh, Dave and my vocals were there naturally, and then it just kind of escalated but yeah i mean i just said where's i'm i'm angry put the mic in front of me let's record you know and i produced it myself but i had my my cousin on this song you wish in particular he he helped engineer and and yeah it just but when i heard it back i was like this is fresh this is cool this is like totally me you know one million percent actually this is like the most me i could i could ever imagine some music being this whole record that i did and when so the singles coming out when you're on honeymoon in December. Yes. What's what's the date that is coming out? December ninth. December ninth. Yeah. That's gonna drop. And then what's the plan for the release of the album? I'm gonna be rolling out songs every six to eight weeks, like you're supposed to do, you know. Yeah, yeah. I have eight songs done, mastered, mixed. So I'm gonna just be rolling them out and eventually start playing live and you know, but there's just like, you know, we have a plan to get this really going and heard and you know I like having that freedom to release when we want to release and not you know like also we had to wait some time uh, with the record label and stuff too and so like just just to really just have the freedom to do things um, and yeah I mean I, I'm really excited for for the unknown of, of doing this independently but I have a lot of support and like I said my team's amazing and and we're definitely going to get some some looks and some ears you know on it yeah for sure to what extent you included helping promote you know oh, well, which means a uh, lot it's, bro. A, it's, it's a great a great honor because I was I, I was stoked for you with the with the Lavara record that was a great uh, podcast that we did and as I say I was shocked to see yeah. to see it all go down but it's really pleasing to see that you've just immediately gone and made this record yeah. and just turned over a new leaf. And you know, you're not talking about that whole situation like it bothers you that much. It's more like onto the next thing. Yes, and and we've all had our closure at this point. I've talked to both band members. We're civil. We're cool. There's no animosity anymore. You know, everyone's doing their thing. I think everyone's happy, happier that it, it was. We always say like we each time we've talked to each guy. I only talked to Jules once. Josh couple actually Josh is on the record. There, Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Because there's one song that we start, like we started. It was an idea. 
that was going to be for the next LeVar record. Ah. And Josh already recorded drums on it. And I was, I hit him up and I said, listen, if you have an issue with this, like, I w I'm rewriting the song. If you have an issue with your drums, like, I'll get someone else to do it. But if you want to be a part of it, let me know. And he wrote me back saying, absolutely, I want to be part of it. Like, totally use it. Stoked, you know. That is, that's really nice. It's good to see that, uh, you know, eventually things will fall. Obviously, you're not going to be best mates yeah, again. Yeah. But it's good that you're on terms. I mean, how representative is that whole situation of what it's like to be you know, a creative person with big ambitions, you know, living in Los Angeles? It's a fickle old world out there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that, like, you know, <coughs> it's cool... I, you know, Josh is touring a lot now with a, with a country. He moved to Nashville. He's he's touring the country act. He's a great drummer, man. Like one thing about Josh and is he's a beastly drummer. And it was an absolute pleasure to to work with him for the time I did. I mean, um, you know, he's not. I, I, I he's definitely not like a. Um, he doesn't like. Uh, uh, what is it? What's the word? Where you just don't like to deal with uh, arguments or like you know confrontation. Yeah, yeah, he's not confrontational, so that can also not be a good thing if like you don't get things out enough. You yeah. know, resentment builds and stuff. I think that might have been it. You know, um, you know, Jules literally just reached out probably a couple months ago. So it took like about over a year plus for there to be any contact between us Holy shit. and we talked on the phone in the beginning it was a little interesting but then we at the end of the day you know i was like what's going on man and then we had a real conversation and it was it was nice you know it was it was a good closure conversation so when you close all those chapters man you know and like man old management we're cool uh like it, it's like the label ed and i are cool so i'm able to go into this next chapter of everyone just like being like civil and cool you know, and like you said, we're not going to like dinner anytime soon, but we're cool. And and I wish the best for Jules and his. He's I think he's going to release some solo stuff and Josh touring. Like I wish them absolutely the best, man. You know, and and life's too short to hang on to shit. And and you know, my, my I left it all in the like I left it all in the music. You know, like because yeah. it was at that time. It was definitely in in the music, it's but I thought it, it would not be like and and as this podcast has proven, it's not in the way that you're talking. Do you have a name for the album yet? Invisible Friends. Awesome. Which is you know good title. I, yeah, I mean, I was actually going to be the project name. I wasn't going to go by my name. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to go by Invisible Friends and kind of do like you know, kind of like. Tame Impala or 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 Able yeah, Nation, yeah. you know, where it's just like one person, but it's a band name, and that's what was cool because then I was bringing all my friends in on the record that you hear on the record, and but I really consider like Invisible Friends my songs. They're like you know they're your invisible friends, and you know I, I I'm a very spiritual person, not religious, but very spiritual, and you know you I feel I'm just a vessel, man. That like because I have no idea how I write songs or how I play. I never. I never was taught. I just was able to write and play and naturally. So I don't take credit for anything I ever do. So whatever those guides are, I feel, are my invisible friends too. So Do you just pick up a guitar and play it now? Do you, do you bother writing anything down? Do you like read? Do you, or no. do you literally just play, just listen, play. play? I am not a technical guy. I'm not like, I don't know, theory. I'm just an ear guy. Like I can hear what I want to do. And luckily I can actually pick up real quick and... You know, all my solos are 
half improv, you know, improv, but mostly me thinking of it because I have to pick up the guitar and just like, oh, blah, blah, and then, okay, that works. Okay, that doesn't. Let me, I'm hearing this, you know. So I'm not like, hey, man, go show up to the club and be like, what are we doing? And then, you know, and I think a lot of people from where I come from think that I'm like Mr. Technical, Mr. You know, theory guy, or my dad like, in, you know, printed that into my skull as a kid, but no, I, I, I'm a self-taught guy, and just able was to watch and, and do my thing, man. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, obviously you're gonna have that innate talent, um, that's for sure, because, you know, not many people can just pick up a guitar, play, and listen, and so, yeah, I mean, I think people are, are always gonna assume stuff, and this must have been part of the whole Aurora thing, you know, given who your dad is, yeah. how much does that um, weigh on your mind? Do you have do you do you have it in the back of your mind? People trying to like take the piss and take advantage yeah. out of you. I mean that that's happened obviously like my whole life, but I stopped really caring about that kind of stuff, like when I was like twenty nine, because I just realized like I had this like huge spiritual awakening of like man, we're all like these little specks on a floating speck in the universe, and and you know why are we putting so much pressure on ourselves of like having to live up to something that doesn't really exist man the, you make it exist mm. and people can be very small minded and compare me to that to, to my pop but like you know that's him man I'm me you're you everyone in this room is themselves 100%. everyone's a rock star in their own right you know it's like fucking a doctor's a rock star a plumber's a rock star the people paving the fucking roads are rock stars everyone and that keeps the world going round. It's what keeps us all okay. Because there's always someone that if something goes fucking south, they're there because they know how to do it. Yeah. And they love to do it. If there's something, a natural ability of, of connecting to that and being able to do anything, I mean, I'm talking about everything you can think of, is someone out there with cures, vaccine, whatever it is. There's someone that has the bug to do it and they do it and that, that's their life's work and that's what makes humanity still exist i feel so i mean it's such a misconception as well because like i mean you can take anybody who's the son of someone yeah. successful or daughter of someone successful and then be like oh like they must have it you know like they must inherit that talent but that's such bullshit because you know you could take like random son of yeah. paul mccartney probably who doesn't play yeah uh or you could take julian lennon who does play yeah at, at, you love jewels you know, you can take different people who, who may decide, but, I mean, they still have to put in the fucking work. You don't, you don't just... No, I know. Magically, I mean, you'll know better than anyone. I so feel you have to put in more work. <laughs> yeah, because also you've got people going, oh, is he is good. Yeah, and you know what's cool, though, is that what people don't understand is, like, you know, like, just for instance, I produced and co-wrote a song on my dad's next solo record. We just literally mixed it a few days ago. It's getting mastered on Tuesday. So, you know, we have that. It's awesome because we can look at each other as peers, too. Like, it was crazy to actually get into that role with him because I grew up being the leg hugger in the studio watching him and Simon Phillips play drums on the track and, you know, being able to, these guys that I grew up with looking up to, all of a sudden the, the, the roles are where, like, I'm producing, telling my pop, like, hey, man, maybe we can try this line over here. And it was funny because I said, is this weird, man? Is this weird for you? And he's like, actually, it's oddly comfortable. That was his, his answer. <laughs> and then it was Simon Phillips, man. Like, I'm like, hey, Simon, can we try this, this beat? And he's like, yeah, yeah. But like hit them, them accepting drunk. me into that role, and then I was just kind of a cool full cir circle moment, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, you have to get you. Have, it takes experience. It takes getting your ass kicked enough to be like, I, I can do that. You know, I can s s sit there with my pop and Simon Phelps and 
because I really trust my instincts and and they I, must trust you to let you know to let them be produced and that was the highest compliment you can ever get yeah that's that's like that's crazy I mean that shows that you put in a lot of work in terms of invisible friends yeah like how big is the like cast of people that you've got oof man yeah I got a lot like, of awesome people on it I got Josh Paul he was in Dog Tree forever he just he just left but he's one of the most badass guys like on the base like I, I watch his Instagram videos and it just makes me just like shake my head of just damn um, and I hit him up and he was so down and crushed it I got Abel Boreal Jr. speaking of Paul McCartney oh, yeah. on two tracks and it was an honor to have him on there and uh, I have Hector Maldonado in he's in Train the band Train he's wow. on one track um, I got uh, I said Josh uh, I mentioned Christian on You Wish. Steve Majora's on every track. Um, I have my buddy Greg Cash. He's a crazy bass player. He's He was used to be in Dorothy. Uh, he plays with a ton of people. He played in a few tracks. Um, so, yeah, man, I have, a, I have a, you know, a definite wide cast of characters. And every single one of them. And that was cool, man. I feel like certain songs, you're like, this would be great if I could... This person, I feel just absolutely... I also found this... Oh man, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't even want to say it because I, I don't want to mispronounce the name. But I, I, I found that uh, on on Instagram, just scrolling through Explore page, this sixteen year old kid. Uh, his name's like Joshua. Um, he is a sixteen year old like prodigy bass player, and I saw this like, like um, slap bass slap video. And it blew me away, and it was like gospel, man. It was like ridiculous. And I was like, "How old are you, man?" And I think at the time he was fifteen, but like he's sixteen now. And I was just like, "Wow!" And I said, "Would you want to play like a tune, man?" And he's like, "Yes, that's amazing." So he lives in Mexico City, man. Just freaking. What did he send in his box? He sent his. I, I sent him like the 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 rough bass like idea, and I said, "Just kind of just there's a lot of moments, empty space for him to do a little slap stuff." He just crushed it, man. So it was awesome to get this, like, prodigy kid on the track, too. That, like, he, you know, he's just starting out, but he's really good. Um, that's so cool. That's, I guess, the cool part of the social media world, you know, is you get to yeah. like, discover these amazing artists. And, and you like, can reach out and reach out. and get these people yeah. like, on your thing, which I guess is an awesome thing about having that creative control as well. Like, how liberating... Is it to just be able to say, right, I want to do this on this track. I want to, you know, is that is that a big difference? Oh, man, it's like, it's like being constipated for months and finally, like, just exploding, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those feelings artistically where you're just like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to, like, kind of, like, dance around people to, like, be, is this cool? Like, I really want to do this, but, you know... Because it's so tough when you're married to three other people or two other people and you might have something you really want to just like finish out, but you can't because it's a democracy and you have to be like, all right, well, this person didn't, might want to contribute more on this. So Yeah, yeah. You've got to tread carefully. Yeah. So that I feel like it wasn't as great as the old band was. We all, I think, had a lot more to give than we did, you know, and that's why I think it was kind of destined to not work and actually be a stepping stone for all of us separately to know what we want 
and to work at what we want. And so has this been two years in the making? Yeah. yeah. This album, so it's going to be Yeah, great. a year and a half. Um, and, you know, I just kind of sat and waited just the right time because then I started really producing a lot. So I was getting calls and, you know, man, like you can't pass up opportunities and when, you know, managers or labels and artists are, you get the opportunity to work with them and, and you know, I really love production and I feel like this record was such a great launch pad for me to like test like me being my own guinea pig of like I'm going to produce my own record and then really get the chops going too throughout the process and then able to bring that to other artists yeah and it was also really nice to work with other people and like have those roles known man like when you get to get with a band like the love and the respect's always in the room there like off the bat like I at least I've been lucky enough to work with artists so far I just worked with this band Classless Act they they opened for um Motley Crue and Def Leppard Wow, yeah. uh, just finished a song like you know starting to work with them killer band Derek Day the singer is like one of the best vocalists but it's also nice to see bands that actually like really like each other dude you know yeah, like yeah. I kind of came from that situation be like I think all bands hate each other you know? but like yeah that's an old thing isn't it like, yeah that's a cl cliche it's not true but it's not true at all and I love seeing bands and so it's just so great to work with people and you get to like go like, I get to be like a chameleon with other people of just being like, all right, I, this different sound, this different sound. So it really gets me going, gets me off as far as like being able to like, you know, follow what they want. And just, just the fucking vibe so good, you know? And then, and then you're like, all right, well, off you go. You know, you don't have to get into a van with them. You don't have to get in a bus with them. Yeah, yeah, there's that. And, and have too much, you know. You don't get to the point where you fucking hate them. Yes! And you want to hang out, and you want to continue to work together, you know? Yeah. And so I get my dose of that, you know? But also I feel with this, with my record, like Steve Majora and Jake Hayden, they're literally... Well, Majora's on every tune. Hayden's other than the two songs that Abe Laboreal Jr. played on. And actually, so three. Three out of the, um, three out of the eight were, you know, Josh was on one, Abe Laboreal Jr. and two. Jake Hayden was five of the eight, so... He's just like another guy that I work incredibly well with, and we have very similar, um, you know, very similar direction of where we want to go with the, an arrangement. So I use him as my session drummer for every artist that I work with that doesn't have a drummer already. Like he's uh, my go-to. Uh, so I worked with him constantly for the last year and a half. So you still got that kind of community yeah. around you. So it do it doesn't feel like I can't say. That's why I love calling Invisible Friends because like I I can not say furthest from a solo record where it's like you know i wrote all the songs and i and i produced it but man it wouldn't be remotely as killer and i would be it was so cool it is for them is my point is like it has so much to do with them and it was great because then you get to hear like with parts like like majora's key parts man like i get to hear like fresh new things where then i'm hearing the song as a listener as well because you get too married to it you're like i don't know man like what's cool anymore but they really you know made the experience extremely exciting and you know like and when i knew that we're onto something here man you know and it's a little it's different but not it's hooky but it's musicianship but it's not like sounds just like this you know so that's it, why it, it definitely had it had its own own thing. I could see the Peter Gabriel influence. Yeah. I mean, the track that I heard that is. Yeah. So you wish is out on December the 9th. Mm, yes. Uh, in in the meantime, 
uh, you'll be getting married and going on honeymoon. So December third, big... getting married, just literally around the corner here too, at the. Uh... Oh shit! When's this being aired? Uh, well, that will be up to you. Up uh, to you, but we can put it on. Uh, if we put it on December 9th, 9th great. December 9th, so December third, I'm getting married at the Houdini Estate down the street. All <laughs> oh, right, cool. That's awesome. And um, we leave for a honeymoon the next day, so that's why I love. And by the way, th thank you so much, man, for having me here. No worries. At and all. I, I'm, you know, getting all these hangs and like being able to talk about the record out of the way because I'm going to be in freaking paradise by the time the song comes out. And um, and I just feel it's such a great it's full circle, full moment. circle, and yeah. and how awesome it is to like what talk about a brand new chapter of life. Yeah, I'm married. First song of the the record comes out. That's like album on the way. Album on the way. Like it's really starting a new chapter of life, and I couldn't be more excited and proud of it. And uh, and everyone's support is so means so much. Yeah, well, I I think it's a fantastic tune and i'm looking forward to the album coming out and when the album's ready it would be a great honor to welcome you back on the oh podcast. my gosh it, the so honor would be mine bro thanks for having me thanks and so enjoy much, elton man. john tonight by the way i'm super I, jealous I will. I will indeed thanks very much man. <laughs> thank you brother